Hello everyone, I'm Laura Ellsworth welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Joining us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works as a hospitalist with the Brookings Health System and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. I was thinking it feels like it's been a long time since we've been together, but I think it's because last time it was winter and now it's summer. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) We've like really transitioned in a month here. Like it's, um, it's wonderful though. I was, I was thinking about that. Is this just, we all just feel a little happier, right? A little mm-hmm. bit lighter. Is there some science behind this, Dr. Cruz? Or is it just all kind of in our heads? Um, <laughs> no, I definitely think there's some science between, you know, sunlight exposure, vitamin D, um, all of that. Just getting outside and in fresh air. I mean, that's all good for the mental health. So, right. yes, the fact that we now have, uh, we went from, you know, school canceled last week due to blizzard. Yes. And now it's 80 Um, Yeah, I can't help but feel happier when I can go outside and and there's no snow on the ground or very little. Right, right. I know I've been, uh, what day was it? I think it was Monday. I went for a walk and then I got home and was doing things around the house. And then I'm just like, I need to go on another walk. Like I cannot be inside after this long winter. I just have to go on another walk because it's just so wonderful outside. It makes me so happy. So yeah, so hopefully all of our listeners are having opportunities to get outside and enjoy this beautiful weather and get some of that vitamin D maybe we've been missing Missing. out on. Definitely. Very good. Well, Dr. Cruz, I wanted to ask you about your essay this week. You um, wrote about cataracts. Yes. I feel like many, many, many people are getting cataract surgery recently. I I was just thinking about, uh, I have a family member who just had cataract surgery. I have someone at my church on this last weekend was talking about it. Someone I had a meeting with in the last week was talking about it. So it seems like it's incredibly common. It is. It is very, very common. In fact, that was probably the most common pre-op surgery, uh, history and physical that I did in family practice. If someone you know, before you go to surgery, you have to have a physical with your doctor within a month or 30 days. And, okay. And that would be the most common one that people would come in for. And they'd have one eye done, and then two weeks later, they'd have the other eye done, and then life would be good. Yeah. So, yeah, so it does seem very, very common. So very. let's start with what are cataracts? So cataracts are when the lens of the eye, which is the part that the light goes through uh, to send the signal to the back wall of the eye where you get the images and pictures sent to the brain. So that lens, so basically kind of the window Mm -hmm. that allows the light into the eye. And like windows, they can get cloudy and they can get hazy. So proteins can build up and cause this clouding or haziness of the lens. And that causes issues with uh, vision. And kind of depending on where the clouding is occurring, whether it's in the front or the side or the back of the eye, can cause some of the different symptoms you can get with cataracts. So so a lot of people, uh, it can cause issues at night, getting kind of halos around lights, um, or it can make it difficult to read because, again, there's kind of this blurring of the vision due to that lens getting cloudy or hazy. 
Yeah, one of the people I was talking about talking to who just had the surgery a couple weeks ago said that before the surgery, when she'd be driving at night or anything, it was like there was all the lights were just like piercing her eye. Like mm-hmm. she was just very sensitive to light, especially yes. at night. Um, so cataracts come very slowly or quickly? Um, work? It kind of, again, depends on the type and depends okay. on where they are. But most of them are pretty slow growing and okay. they take a while to mature is as that. Um, ophthalmologists will say they, they don't want to take out a cataract until it's fully mature. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Tell me more about that. So um, so they generally don't do the surgery until it's done getting fully cloudy. Okay. Um, you know, so if you're in noticing the early stages, they may say, hold off, we're not quite ready yet yet okay so we'll have to ask our guests why that is but i know that i've had multiple patients say yep my one eye is ready but my other eye isn't and you know the eyes tend to not be at the same rate there Mm -hmm. tends to be one that's usually worse than the other okay Uh, and then when they do surgery yeah yeah prescriptions it seems like one eye is worse or not yes yep so generally they'll do the worst eye first and then they'll do the better eye following and they they generally don't do both eyes at the same time sure just so you've got one eye that's not healing yeah (laughs) you know so you can recover from that and then do the second eye later so usually they do it within a two-week period so that uh, pre-op physical is still good because it's good for 30 days after it's done so if you get one eye you get the physical the week before your surgery and then you get one eye done and then two weeks later you can get the other eye done same physical works. Okay. you got to stay within yeah. those 30 days. But I have got know a 30 about day that window. 30-day yep. window. That's, yep. that is, that's for any surgery. Okay. A pre-op history and physical needs to be done within 30 days. If not, there has to be an addendum done to say that, yep, nothing has changed in your health. And so some people are like, oh, as soon as they're ready to make that, um, you know, surgery, they want to make that pre-op history and physical is like whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> when is your surgery date get a surgery right. date before you schedule your physical because otherwise yeah sometimes you would have to have it done a second time and that's unnecessary time expense that you don't need to spend right that makes sense i just hadn't thought about that mm-hmm. um with the cataracts is that something you check for or a um primary care doc would check for in the clinic or is that something more um only done at the optometrist You know, in the clinic, we will look during an annual physical, but we're looking at you in a bright lit room (laughs) with a a little handheld device. And we're not looking at just the eyes. We're looking at the entire body. So to get a really good exam to see how bad the cataracts are, how they are um, progressing, really best done by your eye doctor. Okay. So can I find it? Yes. Have I ever said, oh, you need to see a, a surgeon and get those taken out? No. By the time they're that bad, they're usually coming to me for the pre-op. Sure. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah. You know, to find them at the earlier stages, I may notice it, but your eye doctor is going to catch it way quicker than I am with their equipment and the environment that they're doing the exam in, which is way different than in a clinic. Yeah. And they can probably, our optometrists can keep an eye on it. <laughs> exactly. And watch for when it is fully developed, like when you it's, talked yep, about. When it's mm-hmm. mature and ready to come out, they'll get you set up with one of their uh, ophthalmologists. So optometrists are the eye doctors do prescriptions, you know, and ophthalmologists are the physicians who do the surgery. So mm-hmm. um, I know those two terms can be very confusing because we both call them eye doctors, but one is a physician that 
specialized in the eye, and the other one went to optometry school. Um, so it's and a sometimes different, they, train, a, a different, training, different training, very different yeah. training. Yeah. Um, my brother is an optometrist, so the one that went to optometry school and checks for you know glasses and prescriptions. But they can work in the same office. He works with an ophthalmologist. Yes, and. You know, so they can be in the same building. So know who you're seeing, whether yes. it's a um, OD or an MD or DO. And that gets really confusing if you have a DO and an OD. <laughs> yes. So one is the OD is an optometrist. A DO is a doctor of osteopathic medicine. So identical yes. ad- initials, but reverse the order and it's a different degree. Totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very good. Well, let's go to our first break and give our listeners an opportunity to call in with your medical questions. We're happy to answer any questions that you might have. So give us a call now at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov slash quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any questions you would like us to address this morning. 605-692-1430. We've been talking this morning about cataracts and how they are a very common thing that um, many people deal with as they age. Um, Dr. Cruz, is there anything we can do to prevent cataracts? Mm-hmm. Or is this just something that comes with age? It, it does a lot of times come with age, but if you uh, do protect your vision, so wearing sun glasses so when you're going out on those beautiful walks on those bright sunny days or even in the winter when there's like a lot of snow reflecting Mm -hmm. protecting your eyes from light exposure so um, sunglasses are a very good thing when you're going to be out out on the lake out you know snow skiing out just walking protecting your eyes wearing sunglasses is a great way to do that Um, and also just taking care of your health in general controlling diabetes controlling blood pressure you know, controlling weight, all of those things can help your overall health as well as your eye health. So, mm-hmm. but uh, the biggest eye-specific thing you can do is wear sunglasses when you're around bright light. Okay. Is there a common age that 
cataracts start to show up and be an issue or not necessarily? Um, generally after 50. Yeah, somewhere after 50. <laughs> somewhere after 50 okay. is where it, it really starts to ramp up. Although there are what are called congenital cataracts, incredibly rare, but infants can be born with cataracts. Oh. So with that, that's one of the screening tests that we do with newborns is to check to see if they have congenital cataracts because that would be something that would need to be corrected right away. Gotcha. How do you check for that? Um, we do, we use a ophthalmoscope, so our special kind of flashlight okay. thing. And we look in the eyes and we look for um, kind of what's called the red reflex. So we're looking for the back wall of the eye, which is red because of the blood vessels there. If we don't see it and it looks cloudy or blurry or white, then we um, send that child and refer them to the ophthalmologist to get treated. Thankfully, I haven't had a case of it in 15 years. So it's incredibly rare, but it is something we screen every newborn for because it is important to treat as soon as we find it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So in your essay, you do talk Mm -hmm. about there are some different types of cataracts. Yes. Can you give us kind of an overview of those? So it it all depends on where the cataracts are forming. If it's forming on the outside of the eye, if it's forming in the front of the um, lens, if it's forming in the back of the lens. So basically the location tells us kind of how the cataracts are going to behave. Is it going to bother you more at night? Is it going to bother you more with reading? Is it going to bother your peripheral vision? Is it going to bother your central vision? So depending on where the uh, cloudiness forms is what's going to cause your issues with these cataracts. So that's why someone would say, yeah, I can't drive at night with my cataracts. Another person said, I couldn't read. Sure. I, had, I had worse problems with you know bright light during the day. And other people like, no, night, dim light is where I had the problem. So that's really where... Um, so that's why when you go to coffee, you yep. might all have different symptoms. You may all have completely. But you might all have the same issues. Exactly. So okay. they're not lying. <laughs> yes. So Right. Everyone has their own Everyone has their own there. experience with cataracts depending on where they form. All right. So let's talk about the treatment options. Mm-hmm. What, what are options do we have for treating cataracts? The biggest option is surgery, honestly. The problem is the lenses are clouded. There really isn't a medication that's going to uncloud them because it's proteins that are, are globbing together and binding. You can't unglob them. Okay. So just like if you have a double-paned window and the seal breaks and it clouds on the inside, you can't fix the inside of that pane. Right. You have to replace the window. So the mm-hmm. same thing with this. The lenses be- of the eye become clouded, you have to replace it. So that's where cataract surgery comes in and... They replace the lens and put in an artificial one that won't cloud. Okay. All right. So tell us about tomorrow night's show that you have planned. You have a couple ophthalmologists coming on the television program. Yes. 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 All right. Tell us about that. So um, we are excited. Dr. Vance Thompson is our guest. And we also have Dr. Karen Dickies. So um, I'm excited to talk to both of them about their... um, experience with this and we've actually got some really cool roll-in videos uh, where Dr. Vance Thompson kind of talks about the equipment they used to do cataract surgery Mm -hmm. so it's really kind of neat to kind of peel back the curtain and let people know you know what would it be like uh, to have this procedure done and um, you know kind of what's the recovery for that so it's it's generally a very easy and quick procedure. I tell people it takes longer to sign in at the front desk and give them all your insurance information sure. than for the actual procedure. Yes. Yep. Yes. Dr. Vance Thompson is a longtime friend of Prairie Doc programs and of he Dr. Is. Holmes. So I think he's been on many times. I think he even filled in as a host once. Mm-hmm. So he's a familiar face to, yes, to and, many of us. So. And I just learned from my parents that uh, his father used to be a 
family physician in my hometown. Oh, really? Yes, okay. and uh, apparently offered my brothers a ride home from the clinic when they had a school physical in his uh, convertible. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, yeah. Oh, fun. Excellent. Very good. Well, we'll look forward to learning more about all things eyes really on um, tomorrow night's television program. It's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Hospice is medical care designed to maximize comfort and quality of life for patients facing terminal illnesses. Hospice provides pain management, emotional support, help with family care, and spiritual care to the patient and their family when a cure is not possible. Brookings Health System employs a caring team of professionals and volunteers sensitive to the changing needs of patients and family members during this difficult time. To find out more about hospice in the Brookings, South Dakota area, call 696-9000 or talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz, this morning as I was catching up on my news, uh, heard about the U.S. government issued a new warning about a cocktail of illegal street drugs made of fentanyl and xylazine that's fueling another wave of American overdose deaths. So not, not great news no, when we not, are not great news. catching up on the news here. So as far as you know, mm-hmm. are we seeing fentanyl in the Brookings area? Um, that, it's it's kind of hard to see. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Yes. It's been found in 48, this actually new drug has been found in 48 out of the 50 states. Okay. So it's got to be. So it is something it's, for us to be aware of. It's been sure. found, at, yeah, they had a big um, bust in um, Fargo. Okay. So that's, I mean, we're right on that interstate corridor. Mm-hmm. So it definitely is passing through the Brookings area, I'm sure. Yeah. So what? why is fentanyl so dangerous? Well, because it is so much more potent than morphine. And this one, it's not just the fentanyl. It's these other, basically, it's a horse tranquilizer that they mix in with the fentanyl to make it act longer. And it um, makes it more potent. And then also is causing these issues of, like, um, skin ulcers, skin necrosis. And the problem is these medications aren't going to show up on a a standard urine drug screen. Mm. Um, The the tranquilizer portion it, it even if you knew to test for it it's out of the body within 30 to 45 minutes so you know it's it's hard to find and the problem with this new one is our reversal medications the narcan that we give doesn't work for it because it's not an opioid okay so that makes it very very dangerous because the only weapon we have to help with some of these opioid overdoses is narcan but now if you're mixing your fentanyl 
with this other uh, tranquilizer, it's not going to work. Right. And so all we can do is what we call supportive care, and which means we give oxygen, we give fluids, we monitor, and we do everything we can to try to help, but there's no way we can reverse it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it sounds like it can be quite deadly. I yes. know this report shared um, that the latest drug data from 2020 to 2021 shows a stunning increase of fatal overdoses linked to xylazine, mm-hmm. with deaths in the South surging more than 1,000%. Yes. And the problem is the xylazine is just a white powder, so it can be mixed in with other stuff without people realizing it or knowing it's there. So, you know, that was the other concern was people are looking for this, you know, looking to get their fentanyl, but it fentanyl has a pretty short high. Okay. And so the dealers are trying to find a way, how do we make it last longer so people are going to want our product more? So they're adding the xylazine in it to make it last longer. But unfortunately, you know, this is not, um, you know, something that's made with quality control. Right. Because <laughs> it's made in someone's, you know, illegal. Right. So there, there's no, you know, there's nothing ensuring that so one batch might have too much and then you end up with an overdose and like I said with fentanyl micrograms we we measure it in micrograms uh, and so tiny 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 amounts can be highly toxic so it's very easy for now you've got something that's highly toxic in small doses if you don't get an exact amount in each batch because how are they going to make every batch identical not possible um because they're not this is in a factory where they have quality controls they're just making it to make a profit. Um, now you're adding in this, you know, xylazine, and then that's going to potentiate the effect. And if you get those ratios wrong, their client's going to die of an overdose. And it's going to look like regular overdoses when they come into the ER. We're going to treat them with our Narcan. Narcan isn't going to work. Now what do we do? Got it. So. Yeah, let's talk through that kind of general procedure. Okay. So mm-hmm. if someone is, has an overdose um, and they're brought to the ER, what, mm-hmm. what is kind of the rundown of how someone is treated, diagnosed and treated? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, we, we kind of start to look for certain things. Um, certain drugs have certain behaviors. So the methamphetamine you know, or cocaine or anything that's a stimulant is going to make people more agitated, hyper, anxious. You know, things that are more of a depressant, you know, alcohol, a marijuana, those people are a little bit more sedated. With opioids, if you get too much, it will suppress your respiratory drive, and, you know, these people may be unresponsive and um, not breathing well. You'd have to breathe for them. You know, we try to get a, a urine drug screen, but again, some of these things are out of the body, or if they're, um, you know, certain what we call designer drugs won't show up on a standard urine drug screen that we're looking for. So, um, you know, and certain so things like very difficult. it makes it very difficult. You know, even like yeah. if I'm looking for date rape drugs like uh, ketamine, I have to send that to Utah oh. to get tested. Hmm. So by the time I get it back from mm-hmm. the lab in Utah, so it goes from Brookings to Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls to Utah. By the time I get those results back, it's a week later. Mm-hmm. So it's not, unfortunately... It's such a highly specialized thing to test for that I may not have the information I need when I'm actively treating the patient. It may go back and, oh, yep, that's what they had. Okay, now we know mm-hmm. we know to watch out for this when someone else comes in and presents like this, but it may not help that patient at that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, knowing 
talking to friends, talking to family members, you know, trying to get an idea of what are we treating here? Because again, if you're someone that's in cardiac arrest due to cocaine and I give you the regular medications, I may make it worse. If I give you a beta blocker and you have a cocaine overdose, I could kill you. Mm -hmm. So I need to know what someone's on in order to treat them safely because sometimes the regular medications that we would use to treat, you know, cardiac arrest, um, with when they interact with drugs actually cause a more lethal combination than something that would be beneficial. So it's very important to know these things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't get that information as soon as we'd like to. Mm -hmm. um, so you, there are some, depending on what the overdose is from, there mm -hmm. are some treatment options, yes. often hospitalized. Hospitalized, yep. So there are, there are medications that we can use to kind of reverse opioids. There are medications that you can use to reverse benzodiazepines. Um, and then some, a lot of them, it's time. You just mm -hmm. let it wear out of the system. And, and we try to give, you know, fluids to kind of help the kidneys flush it out quicker or the liver, you know, flush things out quicker. But um, some, what, there is no good anecdote. What are some of the body functions that are failing or not doing what they're supposed to be doing? What are we treating mm -hmm. when we're there? Yep. So um, basically respiratory drive, because if okay. we've sedated them so much that they have lost the Ability, to, ability breathe? to breathe. Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. mm -hmm. are they able to breathe? Is their diaphragm muscle paralyzed because they're so sedated and relaxed? So, you know, basically breathe. We basically support their ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. Mm -hmm. So can they protect their airway or are they going to be swallowing secretions or vomiting and, and getting that into their lungs? So we protect the airway. We check, protect their breathing. We protect their heart. Mm -hmm. So... That's that's the main thing is make sure you keep those things. The patient will stay alive. Yeah, I just feel like this is so scary because um, someone might be taking a drug that they think is one thing, right? But mm -hmm. it could be something much, much be, more deadly. Yes. And so hopefully information is powers yeah. and we all become more aware of these things. But I know um, addiction is a huge issue, is. right? It is. Yeah. It's a huge thing. Um, you know, everywhere in the country, and South Dakota is no exception to that. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, hopefully, if you have um, someone you love dealing with addiction, we can do. What, what What do you recommend, Dr. Cruz, to help support someone who might be, um, who might have a drug addiction? Yep. So definitely talking with them and you know, seeing if they're willing to get help because someone has to be willing mm -hmm. to get help. You can't force someone to get clean, unfortunately. And that's, I think, probably the hardest thing for family members to sit by and watch someone deal with alcohol problems or drug ad addiction is that it's a disease. And um, it's a very hard disease and it can be inherited. Mm -hmm. So you need to, you know, watch out for family you know, trends. So if your grandfather and your father and your uncles, you know, all had problems with alcohol, you may need to be sitting down with, you know, your kids and saying, hey, you need to watch out for this because this runs in our family. And, you know, I don't want it to happen to you or to me. Mm -hmm. So that's where you need to, you know, be aware of that. Um, there's lots of good resources with, you know, AA, um, Elanon, Elatine, Elatine for children who are affected by um, alcoholism, either by you know, themselves, siblings, mm -hmm. family members. Um, Al-Anon is family members of people who are addicted and going through addiction to kind of have that support. And then, you know, AA. And that's not the only, that's the most common program that people talk about in 12-step programs, but mm -hmm. it's not 
one that works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are lots of other alcohol resources that don't go through the AA model. Um, so you just have to do some trial and error and find out which program works best for you or your loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just making calls and um, finding, you know, talk with your doctor. We, we make lots of phone calls or social workers. We can find someone that can help. Um, there's lots of rehab facilities. Avera's working on opening a new do addiction program Mm -hmm. in Sioux Falls so you know those are always good resources to have Mm -hmm. if um if someone comes in with an opioid overdose to the hospital Mm -hmm. and you treat them and they um recover from Mm -hmm. that what what's if they're open to receiving Mm -hmm. help and treatment what do you usually recommend at that point yep so usually while they're still in the hospital we have a drug addiction counselor come in and speak with them okay and then they come up with a follow-up plan and usually close follow-up like the day they're discharged they go to treatment or you know once they're medically stable they can go directly into inpatient outpatient treatment kind of depending on what their needs and desires are Mm mm-hmm Okay. But yeah, we usually try to set it up immediately. Right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like it's a really important topic. And um, unfortunately, we're probably going to be hearing a lot more about it according to this news story. So mm-hmm. we'll all continue to learn more and um, try to be aware of those things. So thank you, Dr. Cruz. Yeah. Well, we thank you for tuning in this morning to our Prairie Doc radio program. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This Thursday, we have Eyes, Connection to Your Overall Health. Prairie Doc host Dr. Jill Cruz is joined by Dr. Vance Thompson from Vance and Thompson Vision and Dr. Karen Dickies from Ophthalmology LTD. So tune in this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. And as Dr. Home would say, Stay healthy out there, people.